Hello, this is Dr. David Friedman, host of To You Good Health Radio. Today, I'm answering listeners' questions. I've received some really great ones. A listener wants to know my opinion on the big lectin controversy. Someone wants to know why salt is bad for us, and I'm going to be sharing some great health benefits of consuming salt. Yes, you heard that right. The benefits of adding salt to your diet. I'll also chime in on why corn or anything derived from it should be avoided. What's the best dairy-free milk alternative? Does pressure cooking destroy the nutrients of your food? Are frozen fruits and vegetables less healthful than fresh? You might be surprised by the answer to that one. What about avocado oil? Is it good for us or should we avoid it? This and much, much more. Stay tuned for this information-packed segment, and it all starts now. It's To Your Good Health Radio with number one best-selling author and renowned wellness expert, Dr. David Friedman, changing lives just for the health of it. Hello, everybody. Since the last Ask the Doctor, I've gotten some wonderful questions sent in by email and through social media. Thanks to all of you that have submitted questions. Remember, if I answer yours on the air, I'm going to be sending you a signed copy of my number one best-selling book, Food Sanity, How to Eat in a World of Fads and Fiction. I'll also include my best-selling audio book, America's Unbalanced Diet. If you have any health-related questions or comments, you can reach out to me at askthedoctor at toyourgoodhealthradio.com. Okay, let's get started. Our first question comes from Nancy Summers from Asheville, North Carolina. Dear Dr. Friedman, I've been a longtime listener and I love your show. My question is about lectins. A cardiologist named Dr. Gundry is claiming this is a poisonous toxin in beans and legumes, tomatoes, and many other things. I just got his book and it says eating these can cause weight gain, autoimmune disease, and even cancer. What's your opinion on lectins? Nancy, I'm so glad you asked this. It's probably the most common question I get asked, so it's nice that we start the show with this because I get it a lot. You know, Dr. Gundry, he's really put together this intensive mass media campaign, which has scared millions of people from the foods that used to be considered good for us. First of all, lectins are naturally occurring proteins that are found in most plants. Some foods that contain higher amounts of lectins include tomatoes, you got beans, potatoes, eggplant, fruits, Lectins are thought to have evolved as a natural defense in plants to deter animals from eating them. Most foods that contain lectins are part of a healthy, well-balanced diet. And there's a profound body of scientific evidence that clearly supports the benefits of a diet rich in fruits, vegetables, and whole grains. If you're a regular listener to the show, you know I'm a bipartisan host. I embrace all views, and most of the guests I have interviewed have shared some really great sound advice. However, there are a few guests that have left me scratching my head, and Dr. Gundry just happens to be one of those. I'm a common science meets common sense type of person. You know, we can learn from the science, but it also has to make common sense. They have to line up, and it, there's not really any science showing foods like eggplant, beans, tomatoes, and zucchini cause disease or obesity, nor, in my opinion, does such theories make any sense. You know, Dr. Gundry says legumes and beans are toxic and a leading cause of disease, but their health benefits trace back to 6,000 B.C., I mean, beans, they're also a common food eaten at the Blue Zones, which are places on the globe where people live to be healthy at 100 years of age and beyond. So, you know, let's figure this out. If, if people that live the longest, healthiest lives eat beans, how can we reasonably believe beans are unhealthy and shorten people's lifespan? 
doesn't make common sense. Also, one of the main staples of the Mediterranean diet is tomatoes, which, of course, Dr. Gundry considers to be unhealthy and linked to causing disease. You know, people that follow a Mediterranean diet, they're among the healthiest individuals on the planet. So I ask you, how can tomatoes be bad for us? You know, I enjoy and I embrace differences of opinions. In fact, this is what inspired me to write my book, Food Sanity. I remain a full-time student, and I welcome new opinions, theories, and the science. However, after my interview with Dr. Gundry, I just wasn't convinced, and I'm going to continue to eat beans and tomatoes, legumes, eggplants, and grains. Also, in Food Sanity, I share the importance of exploring whether or not there's any vested interests behind someone's opinion. After Dr. Gundry created a national fear of lectins, guess what he did? He launched an anti-lectin supplement that he sells. That's right. Pay him your hard-earned money and he will send you an anecdote to the poison you've been eating. As I always say, follow the money. All right, let me go to Paul Herring from Michigan. He asked, Dr. Friedman, I love to salt my food. Is salt really bad for us as we've been led to believe? Thanks for sending this question, Paul. You know, for decades, health experts and doctors have been telling us that salt is bad for us. I find this rather odd considering the human body is made up of 70% water. What kind of water? Salt water. You know, when we cry, our tears are salty. We're made out of salt water. In fact, the human body contains the same salts that exist in the ocean in almost the exact concentration. If we could take the water out of a human body, and put it into a fish tank, it would sustain sea life. We are literally salt water aquariums. We need salt to survive. Salt's necessary for the health of our heart, our liver, kidneys. You know, without salt, guess what? Our nerves, muscles, and brain couldn't function. Now, most of the time when someone's diagnosed with high blood pressure, what does the doctor say? Get off salt. Salt's the devil. (laughs) Actually, what the doctor should be recommending is for them to get off white processed table salt. That's the bad stuff. This type of salt, it's heated, it's bleached, then heavily refined, and all the healthful minerals are removed. Then guess what? They add anti-caking agents to this mix. and So instead... Go with healthier option like black Hawaiian salt. It's a lava salt or Redmond ancient sea salt. What happens is when you take those, those type of salts are good for you. They contain over 80 minerals which are needed by the body. That includes calcium, magnesium, potassium, copper, and iron. When you consume white salt, it makes you hungry. How come? because it doesn't have any of those minerals. Those minerals are removed. And that's why movie theaters salt their popcorn. It makes customers crave M&Ms and another soda. Makes you hungry because it's empty. And this is also why fast food restaurants add so much salt. It makes their customers crave another order of fries. Unprocessed natural salt actually curbs the appetite. Makes you not want to eat as much. Makes you eat less. Why? Because it's nourishing and it's not empty calories. Also, commercial table salt typically contains 97% to 99.9% sodium chloride. High quality unrefined salts like Hawaiian black volcanic salt or the Redmond ancient sea salt contains only about 87% sodium chloride. So to answer your question, don't avoid salt. Just the white processed table salt. That's the stuff you stay away from. And that includes, by the way, processed packaged foods like canned soups and frozen dinners, which are loaded with this white table salt. All right. 
Next question was sent to me through the Facebook Food Sanity Forum. If you're not a member of this forum and would like free access to my daily nutrition and health news that you can use, go to Facebook and search for Food Sanity Forum. It's free to join and come join the uh, the culinary conundrum circle of friends and uh, be part of this great, great group. It's, uh, it's a lot of fun as well. Okay, uh, Michelle Johnson from Gulf Breeze, Florida. She asks, what is soluble corn fiber? is it good for you? I was given a sample of keto matcha and saw soluble corn fiber as an ingredient, and I wanted to get your opinion. Yeah, Michelle, thanks for asking that question. You know, soluble corn fiber, it's also, you'll see it on the um, ingredient maltodextrin. So if you see that, it's the same thing. It's basically a non-digestible fiber used in many processed foods, including protein bars. It's in cookies, crackers, soups, and salad dressings. It's basically a cheap way for manufacturers to thicken up a food item and increase its shelf life. Soluble corn fiber is made from GMO corn, which is chemically processed. Then it's heated and hydrolyzed and filtered into a white, tasteless powder. It's often labeled as ketogenic-friendly because it has a much lower glycemic index than sugar. Glycemic index, basically that's a measurement of how fast the sugar is absorbed into the body. However, it's still a carbohydrate with zero nutritional value. Now, in my book, I list corn and products derived from it on my list of foods to avoid. And common sense question time. Let me ask you this. What do factory farms do when they want to fatten up cows and pigs quickly? They feed them corn Adding corn to bulk up processed foods is also a common practice. The problem with corn is it's highly inflammatory and it's been linked to causing an array of health issues including type 2 diabetes, leaky gut syndrome, autoimmune disease, and much, much more. You know, during my research I conducted for food sanity, I followed the money and discovered that the majority of studies showing the health benefits of corn have been bought and paid for, which I call biased research, and I spell that word B-U-Y-A-S-E-D, biased. In the United States, we have the world's largest uh, producers and exporters of corn. And while there's been some data suggesting that soluble corn fiber added to foods can act as a healthy prebiotic, there's even more research that contradicts this. In fact, research published by PLOS One Medical Journal shows soluble corn fiber may suppress beneficial bacteria and increase the number of harmful bacteria in your digestive tract. That's not good. This can make you more susceptible to leaky gut and a lowered immune system. So, in my opinion, eating too many processed foods with binders and fillers like soluble GMO corn fiber is just not something you want to consume. I prefer healthy fiber in my food, and there are so many better options. you got stevia, monk fruit, dates, pectin, and guar gum. Thanks so much, Michelle, for the question. Let's go to next one is Jennifer Sagliani from Albuquerque, New Mexico. Dr. Friedman, after reading your book, Food Sanity, I totally eliminated cow's milk from my diet. The results have been amazing. My skin is cleared up. I lost weight. My sinus infection went away, and I sleep better. I can't believe how brainwashed I was believing milk does a body good. Thank you for your helpful advice. My question is, my daughter loves milk with cereal. Is there a dairy alternative you can recommend? 
Yeah, let me share. For those of you still drinking cow's milk, knock, 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 I'm going to briefly share why I consider to be public enemy number one of food and something you really should consider eliminating. You know, we're told during childhood, we want to grow up big and strong, we need to drink milk. And the truth is, children who drink milk, they're more prone to getting chronic ear infections, allergies, early puberty, obesity, and at a greater risk of developing diabetes. Oh, but what about the strong bones? That's right. That's the big excuse. We have to have milk for strong bones. Well, that's absolutely not true, folks. You just think that it is because of this multi-billion dollar milk does a body good campaign that's brainwashed you. And by the way, that was paid for by the dairy industry. Research shows people that drink milk are actually more prone to getting brittle bones. That's right. It weakens your bones. Cow's milk also contains a sugar called lactose. And you know what? 75% of the world's population is lactose intolerant, meaning they have an inability to digest the sugar in cow's milk. So I ask you, if 75% of the human race has a problem digesting milk, common sense question, do you really think we were designed to consume it? Something's, something's not right there. And the last thing I want to mention is cow's milk contains a protein, which people say, oh, we need protein. That's why we need milk. Well, the protein's called casein. That's the protein in milk. And what it's used to is also used to make glue to hold together wood. Consuming this glue-like substance produces histamines, which causes mucus production and can lead to an array of health conditions. And last week, I contributed to U.S. News & World Report article where I covered my favorite milk alternatives. And I personally like almond milk, but you ask about your daughter. She wants uh, to enjoy her cereal. For that, I actually recommend cashew milk. It has a creamy, rich consistency that very closely resembles cow milk. And, you know, you can also use it to add to your coffee and sauces to make them creamier. And also makes great dairy-free ice cream. So cashew milk's great. And, you know, get the unsweetened kind because it's very low in calories. There's like 25 calories per cup. In addition, this plant-based alternative cow's milk is rich source of polyunsaturated and monounsaturated saturated fatty acids, which helps decrease the risk of heart disease. So cashew's the way to go. All right, my next question is from Amy Branson, Tarpon Springs, Florida. Amy writes, Dr. Friedman, I've heard you recommend extra virgin olive oil, but what's your opinion on avocado oil, good or bad? Yeah, thanks for the question. Avocado oil gets a big thumbs up from me. You know, 70% of avocado oil consists of heart-healthy oleic acid, a monounsaturated omega fatty acid, which is good for us. And research shows avocado oil may help increase the absorption of antioxidants up to 17 times. It also decreases the production of harmful free radicals in the body. But you want to always go with organic. Try to find extra virgin, unrefined, and cold-pressed. Also, look for avocado oil in dark dark glass containers. Avoid clear plastic or clear glass because that allows extra light in, which can destroy some of the avocado oil's antioxidants. The next one was submitted to me on the Facebook Food Sanity Forum. Glenda Givens from Michigan asks, does cooking food in my instant pot ruin nutrients? See, that's a great question. You know, to, to some degree, you need to realize that all cooking methods reduce the nutritional quality of food. But when it comes to pressure cooking, research is pretty much conflicting. Some studies show pressure cooking destroys anti-nutrients or compounds that inhibit the body's ability to absorb and utilize nutrients, which, of course, is a good thing. And then there's others that show pressure cooked foods lose, you know, more antioxidant activity and healthy amino acids. You know, that's not a good thing. So the huge benefit of pressure pressure cooking 
our food is it's quicker obviously we want things faster and it actually will kill bacteria better than other cooking methods so that's a good thing and uh you know when it comes to nutrients being destroyed by cooking there's pretty much a general rule of thumb you can use and here it is you want to know if, if you boil your food it destroys approximately about 60 percent of the nutrients Roasting and steaming your food is going to destroy about 10% of the nutrients. And pressure cooking results in about 8% loss of nutrients. So pressure cooking, steaming, and roasting are the three best methods for cooking your food. All right, our next question is from Richard Ellis from Farmington, New York. Let's see, he asks, Dr. Friedman, I'm trying to eat more fruits and vegetables but I don't have time to go to the grocery store every week. Am I missing out on any nutritional benefits by eating frozen produce instead of fresh? That's a really good question. And, you know, I think many people have that same question. Fresh fruits and vegetables, preferably locally grown, is always your best choice. However, generally speaking, frozen vegetables and fruits contain most of their full nutritional content. You see, fresh fruits and vegetables are often picked before they are fully riped. And then transportation and storage can sometimes take weeks. So since vitamins and antioxidants begin to decline immediately after harvesting, your produce may actually not be all that nutritious once it gets to your home. That's why it's always better to go with fresh locally grown produce, eat it as soon as possible. The benefit of buying fruits and vegetables that are frozen is they're generally picked at peak ripeness and frozen right then. So they're the most nutritious because they're frozen right then. They don't have time to sit in that truck and sit in the grocery store. So you're not getting that destruction of the nutritional value as you would sometimes when you get them from the grocery store. And research shows that frozen produce may actually contain higher levels of some nutrients compared to the unfrozen. For example, frozen peas and spinach has more vitamin C than supermarket bought fresh peas and spinach. So to answer your question frozen fruits and veggies are still nutritious they're good for you and for those of you that follow me on instagram at dr d friedman you know i had a really huge harvest this year which included strawberries blueberries and more blackberries that i can eat in a month i mean these things just grew like crazy so to keep everything fresh i put them into large ziploc bags and i filled them with filtered water and what this does is it keeps them fresher and you know then putting them there loosely we put them there loosely in these freezer bags what happens is you get freezer burns and that destroys the nutritional content so use water fill it up ziploc it make sure there's no air in there and that's the best way to store your fruits and veggies I think we have time for one more question, maybe two. Let's see the time. Yeah, maybe two. This one comes from uh, Shelly Nessel from St. Petersburg, Florida. Dear Dr. Friedman, I'm a longtime listener and love your show. My question is, should I be worried about the sugar in fruit? All right, you know, good question. Fruits, you know, they get a bad rap because... They contain sugar, also known as fructose, and there's so many health advocates. I've interviewed them on the show, and they recommend totally eliminating fruit from their diet, and they say fruit creates sugar overload, which can lead to obesity, heart disease, and type 2 diabetes. In my opinion, folks, that's taking things way too far. Fruit is an important part of the diet. Yes, it is true. Fruit contains sugar, but so do vegetables. In fact, one cup of sweet potatoes can take six grams of sugar, 
yet it's the perfect food option for diabetics. And the reason eating sweet potatoes won't spike your blood sugar is because they contain a lot of fiber. And what that does is it buffers out the sugar content. And the same goes for fruits. So when deciding what fruit you want to eat, it's important to look at the glycemic index. A glycemic index is what measures how the fruit you eat will affect your blood sugar levels. So the best way to keep your blood sugar in balance is to eat fruits that have higher fiber content and a lower glycemic index. So instead of reaching for a grapes and a banana, opt for fruits high in fiber that have a lower glycemic index like apples and blueberries. And these fruits, let me tell you, they're still high in sugar. I mean, blueberries have a whopping 15 grams of sugar per cup. But because of the fiber content, the natural fruit sugars release slowly into the body and won't cause any unhealthy sugar spikes. In spite of their high sugar content, blueberries can actually help normalize normal blood levels and reduce your risk of diabetes by 23%. Research has proven this. Another great option is an apple. They are chock full of antioxidants and vitamins and minerals, and they contain lots of fiber. That's the key. You see, this fiber called pectin buffers out the apple fructose, keeping you from having an insulin spike. Research published by the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition showed that people who eat five or more apples per week are less likely to develop diabetes than those who don't eat apples. So an apple a day keeps the doctor away. It's proven right there, folks. However, don't ever peel apples because most of that sugar-buffering fiber comes from skin. But I want to mention Stay clear of fruit juices. I know I'm bragging how great fruit is because they do not have this fiber and they have lots of sugar. So eating an orange is healthy. Drinking orange juice, not so healthy. Uh, let's see. Uh, last one. Real quick one from Dan Richardson from Atlanta, Georgia. Is there anything natural that's good to help relieve anxiety? Yes. Get a supplement called S-adenosylmethionine. That's a big word. It's abbreviated S-A-M-E. That's what you look for. SAMI for short. This is a molecule that is naturally produced by the pineal gland of the brain. And research suggests it may be as effective as anti-depression and anti-anxiety medications. SAMI actually determines the rate of which serotonin is synthesized and serotonin is what contributes to our feelings of well-being and happiness. So the more SAMI present in the body, the happier you may be. It's often sold, you'll see that the health food store is sold as a joint pain reliever. So if you have aches and pains, that's just a welcome side effect to SAMI, S-A-M-E. Love it. It's a great supplement. I'll write that up concludes another segment of Ask the Doctor. I want to thank everybody for the wonderful questions you've sent in. If you do have a question you'd like me to answer, you can email me at askthedoctor at toyourgoodhealthradio.com. If I answer yours on the air, guess what? I'm going to send you a signed copy of my award-winning number one best-selling book, Food Sanity, How to Eat in a World of Fads and Fiction. I'll also include my audio book, America's Unbalanced Diet. If you want to stay up to date with my latest article, videos and podcasts go to drdavidfriedman.com and while you're there be sure and sign up for my free newsletter you'll get all the latest health news you can use sent directly to your inbox you can follow me on twitter and facebook at dr david friedman on instagram i'm at dr d friedman if you heard me share something today that somebody you know can benefit from hearing send them a link to this podcast available at toyourgoodhealthradio.com and radiomd.com and check out our podcast library and share these segments with friends family co-workers and on social media sharing is caring you can also subscribe to future podcasts on iHeartRadio and itunes more to come stay tuned and stay well